Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for September 8th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shifflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have y'all both on. Uh, We have no guests tonight, but don't worry, because we have a of topics. Uh, last week, I think we had four or five topics besides our, our great guest, and we got to exactly one of those. And so we're going to try, A, be a little more efficient on topics, but B, we got to uh, have a little time for ourselves, if you will, to discuss some of these things. Uh, some may be more important than others, but of course, why don't we just start off with something on the surface that's quite unimportant, and, and that would be... Um, a 70-plus-year-old man doing artwork on maps. Um, and what we're talking about is the story of the week. Donald Trump uh, took a weather map, a hurricane prediction map, and edited it with another bubble uh, so his uh, map crossed over the state line uh, at the Chattahoochee River over into Alabama. Um, now, obviously, the drawing itself um, – I, obviously, it, mar- it merits no artistic value, and historically, I'm not sure how much value that has either. But the motivation behind it and what it says about Donald Trump, I, I think there is some import there. And I'm going to set this thing up, and Catherine and Tim, y'all can agree or disagree. I, I think it says two things. One is after it was shown he didn't know how to read a weather map, and just because maybe a little westerly wind blew across the state line – that didn't mean that Alabama was going to see any kind of hurricane impact, and and hopefully like 99% out of the people read a hurricane map that way. He's just not in that uh, 99%, but he can't admit he's wrong, and that's obviously a big factor that the narcissist just can't say, I read it wrong, sorry, move on, just stop talking about it. But secondly, there's something about him wanting to be loved. And even though the hurricane was predicted to hit first Florida and then the Carolinas and Georgia, all states that voted for him, they voted for him in in three of the cases by a little bit, not huge numbers. And then South Carolina was a little bigger. But no state really loves Donald Trump like Alabama. And I think that's one of the big motivators for him wanting to get Alabama in there is because he knows that those are his people. That's the base of his base uh, in the state of Alabama. And if you have to um, play favorites with uh, natural disaster relief or predicted natural disaster relief and care, that's kind of a scary place when you're supposed to be the president of all 50 states, not just the red areas or the blue areas. Um, Catherine, what was kind of your take on this thing? Well, I I have to say that, um, you know, we all made a lot of fun of it, but, you know, this is very serious. This is, you know, the beginning of, this is propaganda. I mean, it, it, it was funny and it was obvious, but, you know, people believe what the president says. I, I think you're right that most people didn't. They were, you know, the people who were concerned about the storm were watching, you know, the more, um, reliable and uh, ordinary uh, predictors, the National Weather Service and their local weather station or, or local news. But um, I think I think you make a really good point about Alabama, but I think it's really interesting that um, as a way of, you know, recognizing them, he wishes them a hurricane. Like, I love you so much, I want you to be in the path of the hurricane. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just seems, it just, I mean, I think you're right. I think that's part of the reason was that 
then he could uh, offer um, assistance if it did hit, and he would be able to say, "See, I knew this was going to happen. I had you in my, you know, I had you in my mind, or whatever." But I do think it's um, it's easy to laugh at this, but I think we, you know, this time it's a hurricane map. Next time it's, you know, something else, and pretty soon we're well, we're already at a point where we're where people believe what he says when it's not true. So I think this is a, um, a, a it's a moment that we can't completely laugh away. As much as I enjoyed the memes on the internet. <laughs> Yes, Tim, your take on this. Oh, goodness. Uh, Craziness. It started last Sunday when he tweeted that Alabama would most likely be hit much harder than anticipated. Then you had to have the National Weather Service issuing a statement that's saying that Alabama will not see any impacts from Dorian, we repeat, no impacts. Because they didn't want people to get scared, panic, and go to moving or doing something. Of course, to make it worse, as Trump always does, he says, well, I was right in what I said. He even got, and I'm sure that they were ordered to do this even though they'll say they were not. But NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, on Friday actually sided with Trump uh, and disputed what the National Weather Service had said, which was the truth. Uh, Then, to make it worse, did you guys – I know everybody did – that silly man, complete with the Sharpie mark, to include Alabama. (laughs) And finally, why why is the President of the United States sitting in the Oval Office surrounded by people that are looking like they wish they were, I don't know, anywhere else, and he's sitting there giving weather updates? Well... But what did he do? He accomplished what he wanted to do, which was insert himself in the story and make himself the central focus of the story, even something like that. He just has to do it. He thinks that's what he's supposed to do. That's that reality television nonsense. And there he was. And what are we talking about? Not the weather. We're talking about what Trump did. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, is he took the black Sharpie, and the line that was truly weather was white. Uh, I guess it would have been better if he would have taken white out. And you know, I've ever drawn with white out. It just looks like a total mess. Had he done that, it would have even been more uh, surreal. Um, but the fact that he did get um, Noah to um, you know, make a false statement is pretty scary because that is – a true governmental agency that you're supposed to trust, uh, just completely refuting the other weather agency, um, which is sad. And then also, not the true effects in um, down in the islands in the Caribbean and where the storm is going. I mean, people really did have real damage, and we're talking about Alabama. And, Tim, you and I are on the uh, counties on the state line. It hadn't even rained here. I hadn't felt the good breeze. Now, they may have been talking more uh, about Dothan. Be fat not, you know, okay. Gadsden or, not, Decay, or Decatur yeah. County, but still, what a mess. Not to paraphrase Sarah Palin, uh, but I can literally look out my window and see Alabama from here. <laughs> Seriously. And believe me, it's been sunny all week. Gorgeous. Uh, not, nothing, nothing, nothing got near us, folks. And he says this madness, and it, instead of like a normal person say, well, you know, I made a mistake, he doubles down. And then finds people to agree with him when everybody knows that what he said is absurd. 
And what do his supporters say? They'll punch each other and high-five each other in light and say, ha, 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 well, old Trump, he really got them liberals, didn't he? It just drives them crazy. It, it, It does drive me a little, it does distract me a little that, you know, I just don't think this man's in his right mind. And that, that well, and, does me. Yeah, and, and to show how much uh, the Republican Party is, you know, in on this thing and, and his underlings, Catherine, uh, by the end of the week, they were selling a pack of five Sharpie markers, and I think the sales pitch was just basically so you can correct the errors of the fake news media or something akin to that. Uh, I mean, what is the items in the gift shop or whatever you call it, the online store? You know, say about how they are not a check on it. Well, it's just, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the Bahamas. The Bahamas has been devastated. We don't know what the death toll is yet, but it's going to be very high. And we're making jokes about Sharpies. I just think that, I just think that it's, it's scary. And uh, to make fun of it is uh, just another another sad commentary on uh, Trump and his supporters and the people around him. Yeah, and, and talking about the Bahamas, he tweeted out something that's saying that the um, president or the leader of the Bahamas thanked not only you know American relief efforts but also me. In a tweet, he had to throw himself in, which I'm not exactly sure what he added to um, hurricane prevention and relief in the Bahamas. Are you, Tim? No. uh, uh, Oh, boy. You almost knew when this man got elected we'd be talking about stuff like this from now on, and it's almost become normal, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, 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 they have actually managed to normalize this utter moron. Well, I mean, I hate it, to just say that, but that's what the man is. Yeah, and and let's kind of look just back um, about 12 years ago. One of the big undoings of uh, George Bush's presidency and, and legacy, George W. Bush's legacy, was Hurricane Katrina. Um you know, he, he kind of went down there. Obviously, the uh, hurricane relief efforts uh, lacked, um, to say the least. And he went down there and said, Good, you know, great job, Brownie. He obviously was not, um, you know, on top of it, to say the least. He had appointed someone that had been involved in horse racing or horse breeding or something, nothing to do with weather relief, what have you. And that was his undoing. And it was not good. It was one of the weaker spots of his presidency. But he didn't go and make up fake weather maps. He didn't go down to Puerto Rico and pretty much attack all the leaders and then throw some rolls of toilet paper out. And he never suggested that we launch nuclear weapons into the eye of the hurricane. But still, Catherine, I get the sense that Trump's handling of weather disasters is not going to be nearly as much his undoing as was George W. Bush's. Agree or disagree, and if you agree, why not? Um, I think it's really hard to compare all these things. Um, I, I just, I think Trump is just a—he's just a, a anomaly, and um, we've. While I think we've been uh, pretty divided over the last 20 years it's even more so now so i i, I don't know i, I can't I, i'm not going to say yes or no i just think it's really difficult it's it's difficult to compare the two situations for me because trump is just this anomaly i mean i just don't know how i mean it was bad for bush but I, I'm sorry. I can't really answer it. Sorry, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think the thing is, is, is um, it, it, you can compare the two of them, 
But what's changed a lot in 12 years is how Americans view uh, politics. The, the, the whole stage has changed more in 12 years than uh, Donald Trump to George Bush has been a change. Tim, you back with us? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, it dropped for a minute, the perils of live radio, right? Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. I remember a weather-related story from early in the Obama presidency. Uh, they had to go to Arizona for something. I forgot what it was, and the first lady went. When she got off the plane, she was wearing a pullover shirt of some sort, and she was wearing like an almost knee-length pair of shorts. Well, that was because it was 106 degrees or something like that there that day. It was burning up, and the conservative media, and they went crazy. How she was just disrespecting this and that and the other. And now they barely blink an eye when the president seriously mentions the wisdom of dropping nuclear weapons into hurricanes to stop them. Uh, uh, where have we gotten to? In the, the, and you know what? There's only one way to stop this. Now, there is nothing Trump can say or do to stop himself. There's one way to stop this, vote. Vote and vote, vote him and all his supporters and all these people out of office, or it won't stop. That's right. Yes. Well, let's move on to another topic, and this does have to do with voting. This has to do with your choices for vice president, and um, it's been speculated now um, in more than one place, and there's a new book that's come out um, you know, about Mike Pence. And people are beginning to speculate that Donald Trump may dump Mike Pence. Um, before we get into the who's for and what's not, um, Catherine, do you think he'll do it? Uh, I would be surprised because I think that Pence's connection to this evangelical, uh, the evangelical base, and I think that. If he dumps them, especially if it's uh, in any way um, adversarial, you know, like he doesn't do it in a graceful way, which is virtually impossible for him to do. Um, I think he'll uh, make that part of the of his base very unhappy, and they may either stay home or vote for one of these other random candidates, or even vote for. A Democrat, if it's someone who can rally around their evangelical uh, values. Tim, what do you think? You know, a few months ago, uh, there, there was there wasn't a lot of talk about such a thing. Uh, uh, but until lately, the talk around Pence had centered on how he could keep his own record clean away from the rest of the administration and his problems so that he could position himself for 2024 should Trump lose next year. Um, It it could happen for several reasons. Number one, poll numbers. They remain bad. Something will have to provide the campaign with Oh, a reset. And since the president himself, obviously, will not change even one iota, then getting rid of Pence for a running mate deemed, oh, more desirable to voters in the general election might provide such a reset or such. So the thinking is Uh, another thing is that the campaign, which has not expanded its base, may seek to do so, say, with a female on the ticket. There are rumors out there that Ivanka and Jared Kushner want exactly that thing. Uh, Trump is not popular with suburban females. Uh, He's just not. He's, He's been hemorrhaging support among them. 
Uh, and another reason I think this there is a possibility, it's rumored that Trump has actually talked to friends and political people about this. Sometimes you hear he talks about something, next thing you know, this something is happening. Um, and another thing, they don't get along that well. Pence could not deliver the votes in Congress to get rid of Obamacare when Trump had sent him as the point man to do that. That angered Trump. It created this rift between them. Now, having all said all of that, there's downsides, too, you know. Would you like for me to get into those now? Feel free. Uh, Well, Pence, as Catherine said, is popular with evangelical Christians. Trump got the votes of 81% of that group in 2016. Now, I don't think they would abandon him and vote for a Democrat, but they have been known to get angry in the past and sit at home on Election Day. Trump cannot afford to lose any votes. So if he dumps Pence, he has to do it in such a way that the action of dumping Pence would pick up more votes then it would lose. That that's that's the deal about the female. Uh, and the other downside here is that if he does this, if he dumps Pence, then he's admitting that he made a mistake to start with by picking the guy. And Trump is, shall we say, not known for admitting to mistakes. So that's something he doesn't want to face. Um. So uh, that that's the down and the upside of it. And, David, uh, before I say what I think I'm going to do, what do, what do you think he's going to do, Trump? I think there's this? a great chance that he could dump Pence because the poll numbers are just terrible. There's just no doubt about it. And we know that that's, there's one person that is not to blame for those bad poll numbers, and that's Donald Trump. So, therefore, mm-hmm. he's going to have to find somebody to blame. Um, you know, John Kelly's not there anymore. Um, th- th- there's just the campaign manager. Nobody knows who that is. So the fake news media has already blamed them enough, all these things. So therefore, he could lay this thing at the feet of Mike Pence. Um, and, and you're right. He and Mike Pence are not close. They're very different people. And uh, Karen Pence is, uh, you know, they different authors have, have found out that uh, they are not close at all. That she really has no real respect for Donald Trump on a personal level. Um, I actually admire the fact that she actually kind of stands up for what she believes in, at least privately, um, and sees him for who he is. I wish a lot of these other folks that you know that you're talking about evangelicals would do that, but I don't think enough of them leave him. Uh, they're more likely that that 81%, he'll lose more of them because of a bad economy than just for who he is. I mean, they've they've willing to overlook it once. They'll overlook it again, uh, all the you know shortcomings of his you know personal self and all the fact that he obviously knows very little about the Bible. I mean, two Corinthians told us all we needed to know there. Um, and so, but they'll they'll stay with him. The Franklin Grahams and, and the the Jeffers out in Texas, um, the Fallwell Jr. They'll stay with him, and so I don't think he has to worry there. And then it's going to be the excitement. And I think you're right. Um, he probably knows that there's, I want to say, a 95 percent chance that there will be a woman on the Democratic ticket, either as the head or as the VP. Um, it just seems like that's what you know will happen um, because it's high time. I mean, just to be honest, it, it, it should happen a long time ago. But um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be there. So therefore, he figures he can counter that in some way. Tim, I think you had some more to tell. Go ahead and tell that, and then we'll get let Catherine have the first shot at who it might be. Well, I don't think that he will dump Pence uh, for two reasons. Number one, the only reason that 
Dump Pence is to pick someone truly remarkable. Um, th- that would even make a difference. Normally, vice presidents don't. We're talking about Nikki uh, Haley, for instance, and she can't stomach him. I, I just couldn't imagine her agreeing to be uh, on on the ticket. Number two, Trump don't want nobody that overshadows him. And the main reason I think it would be pointless to even do this, uh, this is one election where it can truly be said that the issue is Trump. That This is a referendum on this president more than on any president, certainly in my lifetime, probably more than any president in history, maybe with the exception of somebody like Herbert Hoover. Uh, so I, I don't see what, what he would really have to gain from doing it unless he gets so far behind that it's just, uh, you know, trying to throw a touchdown pass from the one-yard line in the fourth quarter or something like that. So I'm going to say I don't much think he's going to do it because I I don't think he'd do any good to do it. Okay. Well, Catherine, you don't think he will either, but let's say he did. Who do you think he would dump him for? I I, I mean, everybody's (laughs) talked about Nikki Haley. Everybody's talked about Nikki Haley, but I don't think Nikki Haley helps him that much. Um, I mean, she's a woman, but aside from that, I think she, you know, she's a woman of color. So there's that, you know, there's the racist part of the GOP that's not going to be happy about that. Um, She's from the South, which might help, but I, I just don't see her helping him. I don't see any other uh, women in uh, leadership in the Republican Party, but I may not be very attuned to that. So that's that's a fair um, criticism of my outlook. I just wanted to say one more thing about the whole the whole idea. I think it would be different if Pence, like if somehow. Pence just said, you know, I've got, uh, I've got some kind of family issue, or I, I this isn't what I, invit- or somehow gracefully opted out. But th- so that would avoid Trump having to say, oh, I made a mistake, number one, and it gives them, you know, another shot at having a different candidate. I'm not I'm not saying I think that would be a good idea, but that would be one scenario that uh would avoid uh the idea that Trump had made a mistake. But I don't know uh, other than Nikki Haley, I don't know of any other candidates that would be that are in the, you know, that are in the conversation and I don't think Nikki Haley is a good choice for them. Well, well, I mean, and I do think Nikki Haley would bring some positives with maybe suburban women that have always voted Republican, maybe even some college-educated suburban men could say, oh, well, the GOP's not so racist, you know, and, and it would be a few votes here and there. Um, if it's a close election, it could help here and there. But here's why I think – here he is going to dump her, and I think the blueprint's been given. Brad Pascal, his um, campaign manager, said today – that he felt that the Trump family could be the next political dynasty. And this is a Vonk looking to, you know, want to push out uh, Mike Pence in favor of a woman. Now, if you look back at, at Donald Trump's claim to fame, it was the show The Apprentice. It was at one time, you know, one of the highest rated shows on television. It was a hot property. And it was Donald Trump, and it was a guy named George Ross and Carolyn Kepler. And it was going great with the ratings and everything else. And he dumped both of them. And who did he dump them for? His children. He dumped them first for Ivanka, then for Little Don, later Eric. So who's he going to dump Mike Pence for? 
his daughter. He's not going to win New York anyway. So if they're both from New York, he ain't going to win those electoral votes anyway. And he thinks she is the greatest gift to humanity other than himself that ever lived. And it's his greatest part of his so legacy. Think, so I think he you, picks Ivanka to be his vice presidential nominee. Wow. <laughs> and you say, oh, David, that's unorthodox. What's been orthodox in the last four years with this guy? <laughs> Is that even true? I mean, yeah. isn't, isn't there isn't there isn't a law about the president and the vice president being from different states? It, you, if you if you're from the same state, you cannot win the electoral votes of your home state. So therefore, you would just say. New York electoral votes off the board. He ain't gonna win them anyway. Okay. That's, from my understanding, that's the only problem there is. <laughs> now, obviously, in the regular political world that we've probably known for 240 years or however long the country's been a democracy, nobody would ever do this. But nobody would ever do all this other nonsense we've seen either. So, therefore, all bets are off. It's it's a new reality. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on this? No. Just no. <laughs> just no. There's, there's just, even with Donald Trump, there's things I, I just I, I can't imagine. I, I just, no. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't, I don't quite see the upside for him there. Because that would even kill the positive effect of him picking a female running mate. They wouldn't be talking about the running mate being a woman. They'd be talking about the running mate being his child. That would be the whole – and I don't see where that gains him any votes. You're assuming some advisor can get in his ear and talk – some sense into him. That yeah. didn't work five days ago when he took a sharpie to a weather well, map. You know, I, I believe, like, oh, and then he wouldn't listen. I, he didn't. I, listen. I believe Donald. Let's put it this way: I believe Donald Trump, if his if his daughter did want to be vice president, would throw her under the bus if he didn't think it was good for Donald Trump. That's what I think. And no, I, I think, think I'd this. be right right there. I, I think the. I think she might be smart enough to know the problems with this idea, and she might be the only one that can talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I could see it getting suggested. And here's the thing. If I'm wrong, I made for some crazy interesting audio tonight. If I'm right, hey, I'm the first one that called it, so I, I, I don't mind saying it. Well, let's talk about this GOP primary that may not be a primary or a caucus or anything else if the GOP has his way. Uh, we've talked about William Webb, former governor of Massachusetts before, um, who's running for president. And I believe we did a bite-tell hold on him. But we've had two new candidates that have gotten in the race since we had a buy-sell hold. And so it's time to buy-sell hold on them. Then we'll talk about the whole process and how the Republicans are trying to finally build their wall around the ballot box of the Republican Party um, to keep from happening. But let's start off, I guess, chronologically. Um, Joe Walsh, a former congressman and radio host, uh, got in the race technically first, even though Sanford, Mark Sanford flirted with it first. Let's talk about Joe Walsh. Uh, Catherine, do you buy sell hold on Joe Walsh? Um. Well, I want to sell them, but I'll hold them. <laughs> okay. Um, I- any thoughts of why you decided to to hold at this point? What makes him a little more intriguing than just no chance? Well, I think that he does. I mean, he's. I mean, he's not much different than Trump, really. He's a little more activist. Um, but I think it makes for an interesting uh, conversation around the Republican 
nominees. And I think that's good. It might draw some attention away from the Democrats for a while, which is good, too. Okay, Tim, buy, sell, hold on Joe Walsh. Sell. And I can save you some time here with asking me further questions about the others. I'm going to sell every one of them for for basically the same reasons. So. Okay, well, well uh, basically, um, uh, tell us why you're selling the whole everybody here. Uh, because there's no way that this nomination is going to be allowed to be contested. We're already seeing the beginnings of that. Trump runs the GOP. He will not allow any chance of himself being opposed or embarrassed um if he had to can if, if he had to instruct the republican national committee to uh cancel every primary and caucus he'd do it people need to understand that this president more than any other in the history of this country will do whatever it takes to win if that means canceling elections, he'll do so. If that means breaking or ignoring the law, uh, he has proved that he has no qualms about things like that either. Uh, those people, unfortunately, I believe, will be blocked at every turn and will not be allowed to see the light of day. All right. I am going to talk just about Joe Walsh here, and I'm going to agree with both of you on different parts of it. I'm going to agree with Tim that I'm going to sell him, but Catherine, I'm going to agree with you on why. He is very much a carbon copy of, you know, of Donald Trump as far as the bombast and the uh, more uh, xenophobic, nationalistic, uh, you know, way he frames things. He was probably a um, precursor why Trump can't, you know, gain power. And so therefore, he comes from the part of the party that would give him the least traction unless for some reason this part of the base um, just really um, was offended. But I guess the anti-intellectual side of Trump, the fact that he, he doesn't do the research for all these, you know, hardcore Republican causes, there's, there's just no sign of that. Um, so therefore, I've got to sell it. I have to really wonder why he's running. He's losing his radio show. He's probably going to lose a lot of base. I don't know um, what the angle is for him. Even if Donald Trump loses badly in 2024, I, I think that would set him up. Um, I'm sorry, loses badly in 2020. I don't think it sets him up for 2024. I, I don't get the upside for Joe Walsh here. Uh, now let's get to the other um, candidate, former congressman, former um, governor, former backpacker, either the Appalachians or Argentina, whichever part of the story you believe, uh, Mark Sanford. Uh, Catherine, do you buy, sell, hold on Mark Sanford? I sell him. He's a laughing stock. He can't. Yeah, I mean. And- He's always going to be the Appalachian Trail Argentina guy, no matter how no matter how he tries to fight it. Yeah, the, and what's weird about that though is he did win Congress, the congressional seat yeah, after that, that fiasco, which was kind of crazy. Um, if he would have gone, I mean, anyway, Congress, Governor, Congress, um, even after that nutty story, um, the same actual week that Michael Jackson died. I remember I was in St. Louis on vacation and both of those things happened the same week for what that's worth. Um, Tim already sold him. Do you want to add any more specifics? I I would like to add one pertinent fact. As we've seen in the news just this very week, uh, let's say we do have a primary season. Well, we're not going to have any voting done in... uh, Mark Sanford's home state, are we? Any chance he has of making any ripples at all? 
if he's going to do it, of course it would be as a favorite son in his home state. And now there'll never even be a vote cast for him in his home state. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I would be more likely to buy him than I would Joe Walsh. He comes a little bit more from the establishment, a little closer maybe to the Never Trumper movement. So if you had to, like you said, here's a gift certificate. You have choice A and choice B, and those are the only choices you get. Um, I would take Mark Sanford. Uh, But if it was my own money and I could keep it in my wallet, I'm selling him. Um, It feels like there should be somebody that could run against Donald Trump and get some traction. But it's it's not what we've currently had. To me, uh, you know, Bill Weld, William Weld, he should run as a libertarian again in the general. Um, that would be the better way to place to stand, make his stand. And these other two gentlemen, I, I just don't think they're the um, – they're not what the never-Trumpers are looking for. And so I'd sell them too. Um, let's kind of get into now this other issue. Now, and I did listen to Chris Higgins did a really extensive story on this on his podcast, and they talked about how – or he talked about how at times parties with sitting incumbents that have no real opposition will cancel some primaries and caucuses. Now, the question is what constitutes real competition um i would think two former governors two former congressmen i know one guy shares both uh three total candidates that have been elected officials i I don't think you can call these people gadflies um there's some substance there there's some resume so it feels like there should be elections in all these states um tim what do you think? Where is this criterion where you decide not to hold uh, primaries or caucuses? Well, again, we are in a different era. And you are correct. In the past, the parties have, have canceled some when the president had no real opposition, uh, an incumbent president. And it's a way to... You know, pool resources, save a lot of money, all that sort of thing, and get and go into general election mode. Uh, why, why have a, you know, a series of primaries or caucuses if you've got an incumbent president with a high approval rating in his own party uh, running against maybe a favorite son or two, something like that? That's going to get just a few percent. In in in. Trump's case, we 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 know why why this is being done. He is moving to preclude any opposition. Uh, he 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 wants it very well understood that this is his party, that the Republican National Committee is his committee, that the state parties are now, you know lock, stock, and barrel under control of his people and to tamp out any opposition. That way, if, say, oh, I don't know, if there was an economic meltdown and all of a sudden he got very vulnerable, he still would face no opposition in his own party. This is the way this man thinks. How can I win? Let me count the ways, and whatever it takes is what what he really means. Uh, so you know that that's what's going on, and and I I think there's going to be some some more states than just the states mentioned. But I don't believe it's any accident that South Carolina is one of the first four. Do you? Right. No, and I guess they're an early state as well. Which sometimes it might be better to hold some of. You know, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, which is also one being canceled, um, and South Carolina. I guess it would also depend on if it's a state where you double team and have the primaries for other races, so you're already holding elections, then those are states that you ought to be more likely to hold 
uh, the primaries for. So it, it seems very undemocratic, but then we know that democracy is not um, at its um, zenith at this moment in American history. So this is just another do, um, do, part of this. Do we agree that truly this man will do what? Ever it takes <clears throat> to win. That's why I give him a, a, a fairly decent chance of, of winning the general election. There's nothing off the table with him. There's nothing he will not do. Uh, he will do anything necessary to win and 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 then worry about it later, whether it was legal or whether it was or anything like that. Uh, if he wins, that justifies everything, and and he's going to do what whatever it, it it takes to win. I hope his Democratic general election opponent realizes that Hillary Clinton learned that lesson a very hard way that there is nothing he won't do. Um, yeah, it, it I, it's going to be a nasty, nasty, nasty election. Uh, I, I I really dread seeing it in a lot of ways. It, it's quite amazing, Tim, and I agree with you that um, a party that is so white now, um, their philosophical leader, or at least the statement, is from Malcolm X, by any means necessary. Um, that's mm. kind of how they govern with democracy. <coughs> um, mm-hmm. but there's sure some, some irony there. Well, let's kind of change topics. We have had a, a Trump GOP-centric show we're going to flip over um, on the for our next topic, and we're going to piggyback on our mega topic from last week about the two Georgia Senate seats. We talked at the very end about a winner, Teresa Tomlinson. Um, there may have been another unintended winner in this um, having two Senate seats. Uh, we know that a former minority leader and state representative Stacey Abrams' name has been mentioned as a possible VP candidate. We've actually discussed on the show after the rumor exploded about her almost announcing with Joe Biden to be a ticket. Uh, that was shot down for different reasons, possibly. Uh, but she's still in this conversation. And my question um, becomes now, knowing that if you win the presidency, <clears throat> if you do not control the Senate, you will not get much passed. And so, therefore, you need to win every Senate seat and play, if possible, to get as high majority as you possibly can. And Georgia has two of those seats, and it's both seats are probably in anybody's top ten of persuadable Senate seats, uh, probably even like top six in most rankings, including our own, all three of us. Um, Catherine, do you think this helps, hurts, or has no impact on Stacey Abrams' chances of being named VP, knowing that she might produce more votes in the Peach State to possibly help that candidate win and to help possibly pull some senator or Senate candidates along? Well, I will tell you, especially after our last discussion, the end of it about Donald Trump doing anything at all to win, I'm really um, hopeful that uh, Leader Abrams will continue on her fair fight uh, work and protecting the elections and not run as a vice president pre- vice presidential candidate. I think we have a lot of good uh, potential running mates in the mix with the current how many ever candidates we have. I guess we can probably just say 10 because that's how many are, have been selected to be in the um, debate this week, but there still are others that are have not dropped out yet. Um, I just think that that work is really important, and I think she recognizes how important that is, and I'm just hoping that she doesn't uh, stray off that work to become a uh, vice presidential candidate. So I say okay. no. I don't. You don't think it helps her chances? Well, I don't think that – I don't think – I don't want her to be the vice presidential candidate. 
because I think she should be concentrating on this other really important work that she's doing. And it would, it would, it would stray her from that. So I don't, I, I mean, I, I guess I just don't even accept the premise of her being a president, a vice presidential candidate on okay. the ticket. Um, Tim, thoughts on, I guess, any of the questions that I postulated or Catherine postulated? Well, um, I, I know that she said that, you know, that she is open now to the idea of running on the national ticket uh, that it would be an honor to be the vice presidential candidate for any of the uh, presidential contenders. Uh, I, I think that was one of those statements like where any politician worth their salt is going to keep their options open. You, you don't shut a door that you don't need to shut. Uh, and and her being on the ticket, uh, frankly, does increase the importance of this state. Uh, it would drive out more Democratic minority voters to the polls here and help in both Senate races, obviously. Um, but we have to remember there is a fair chance of the nominee being... Elizabeth Warren or, say, Kamala Harris, they, they, they're not going to pick her. Why would they? Um, so I, I'm, I'm thinking that the only candidate that would really want her on the ticket at the, uh, would might be Biden. I mean, they've talked. It's very obvious they've talked about something and then denied or just didn't talk about what they talked about. But obviously that that came up, even though they probably have well, some they have denied that it did. Uh I don't I don't I I just don't see her on the ticket unless Biden is the nominee. I don't I don't think Bernie Sanders would pick her. I don't think he's wired that way. She would be an excellent choice um, for um, a, a candidate like Biden that wants to balance the ticket. And, man, the, the National Party would love it uh, if, if she were on the ticket with these two Senate races and the fact that Georgia's going to be a battleground. But I, I agree with Catherine that I really hope that she goes ahead and does what she said she was going to do, because it certainly would help for her to be out there beating the bushes with her group to drive those voters to the polls. Uh, she could really uh, excite them and, and, and get them out there with that organization, and, and, I'm, and, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that's, that's what she does. Uh, did I answer any questions, by the way? <laughs> I think you answered something. Um, and I'll tell you what, um, I'm uh, being distracted now, but I'll, I'll get back to the show here. Um, I, I, I think that she would does need to keep her options open, at, uh -huh. first and foremost, because you just don't know how you'll feel really like eight months from now. I mean, and maybe even longer, like – I get the idea everything's getting pushed up. So if the nominees decided by, say, March or April, they may not can wait to, like, July to pick the nominee. They may have to just rush the process. And so, therefore, uh, not not rush it, but just everything gets moved up, like, you know, this time four, eight, 20 years ago, um, you know, we weren't having seemingly debates that were televised. Um, and so, therefore, she's still got a lot of time to decide. And see where everything's at. I think the fair fight work is incredibly important, but it seems like it's the kind of thing that a leader starts and then people have to then go execute. She's laid out the vision. People could probably take over that work for her. Um, and really, it needs to be taken over. I mean, she may know more about Georgia and know, may know more about the overall vision. But then somebody else is going to know more about the specifics of how Florida gets manipulated 
and how Louisiana gets manipulated and how Idaho gets manipulated. And so it's going to have to be more people join that effort anyway if it's going to be a 50-state effort or at least more states than Georgia. Um, so therefore, people are going to have to kind of uh, join the team, if you will. Um, and she's going to have to look at how things look at that time for 2022. And y'all both know I'm under the opinion that 2022, if the Democrats take control of the White House, retain the U.S. House, and let's say break even or better in the Senate, then Donald Trump tank this economy, and we're going to be coming out of a recession, and therefore – who are the American people going to blame, or at least enough of them? Those swing voters probably going to blame Democrats, and 2022 may be a down Democratic cycle. That's hard to win in a state that's uh, just barely purple, possibly at that point. Um, so therefore, I think you have to put all that in the calculus of making your decision, and I can't imagine she hadn't thought way more about her own career than I've thought about her career. Um, so uh, th that's why I would keep my options open. And I do think uh, we're going to have to see who the nominees are or who's running for those seats because, of course, that open primary, we have no clue who the nominee is going to be until um, close to November with some of the polling we see at that time. We may have a much clearer picture on uh, David Perdue's seat, which, by the way, we mentioned Teresa Tomlinson this, just this past week uh, – Former mayor and congressman and U.N. ambassador Andrew Young endorsed her, and Hank Aaron endorsed her, even though you're like, oh, a ball player. But Hank Aaron is a pretty important political figure um, in the city of Atlanta and around the state. Um, and so I think that was a win for her, that, getting those two endorsements. Um, Tim, your thoughts on uh, Teresa Tomlinson getting those endorsements? Well, yes, they are important. Uh, you 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 wonder kind of why uh, they were done. If there was some sort of timing to this, or if it was a shot across the bow of uh, Amico, or, or 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 what was going on, or if they were doing it uh, to keep somebody else from jumping in the race or, 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 ju or just what was going on there. Uh, um, a little uh, self-promotion here. We're going to, we're going to have the mayor up here in Chattooga County on October the 5th at our dinner to speak. And I look forward to asking her, you know, about those endorsements, if there was any significance to the timing of them and, uh, and and if if there was any background that that we're not a, a aware of, because uh, just uh, all of a sudden they came out of nowhere, didn't they, Catherine? They did, and uh, but I think you might be right that they were a way to keep, perhaps keep some other people out of the race, or mm -hmm. just to you know in, to uh, strengthen Tomlinson's uh, position. For now, so we'll, I think we'll see uh, in the next, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if anybody else decides to jump in. Of course, they've got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think they do drop more in that um, uh, open primary. And um, one interesting thing, I think it's either coming up or it just happened. Andrew Young and former President Jimmy Carter are um, delivering a Sunday school lesson uh together soon and they've become even closer than they were and he served in his administration um and so therefore i wonder if uh and you know columbus is closer to plains than atlanta is um mm -hmm. so therefore uh, jimmy carter might jump in that thing um and endorse and if he were to do that i think at that point that race is kind of sealed up and all of the action goes to that open seat guys if we're going to get it in we better get it in quick there's a special primary election in North Carolina from the only race in recent memory of a congressional level that was thrown out due to so much um, distortion and activity. Um, Catherine, any predictions on how that goes? I think it's going to be a nail-biter right up till the very end. 
But I'm hoping that the Democrat, uh, what's his name, McCready? Mm-hmm. McCready. Okay. But I think it's uh, going to be a nail biter. Yeah. Tim, your thoughts? Well, as much as I want to pick McCready and the fact that he's four points up in the polls, and he only lost by 905 votes two years uh, in 2018. That district's been held by the Republicans since 1963. Trump won it by 12 points. He's going to be there tomorrow. So I will barely say that um, McCready's going to lose. All right, and I'll make my prediction so Tim get his phone call. Um, I think that um, uh, Trump coming in does – that means that there's some polling they have and uh, the Republican's going to win that district, probably pretty close, but the Republican does pull it out due to its GOP roots. And until next week, that's been the Cudsey Vine. Good night, night guys. Night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and progress?